You are listening to an edited version of Get Radio's Business Brunch, which airs every Sunday at 11am on DAB Digital Radio across Oxfordshire and online at getradio.co.uk. For copyright reasons, we cannot play the songs mentioned in the show. But for more info and Business Brunch-related content, head over to getradio.co.uk. Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben Thompson. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Good morning. Happy Sunday. This is Get Radio and welcome to the Business Brunch with me, Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson & Terry Recruitment. Now, every week, I am so fortunate to be joined by some of the very best business experts all across Oxfordshire who kindly come onto the show and share their stories, their expertise, their knowledge, their hints and tips um, with you, the listener. And this week is going to be no different. Um, so this week, I'm delighted to be joined by Tim Greer. Um, Tim has a really, really successful career in the world of business. Um, so he's kindly agreed to come and join us and talk about all things business growth. I'm sure we're going to talk about exits, developing teams and some general business along the way. This is Business Brunch with me, Ben Thompson. I look forward to welcoming Tim after this. Get radio. Welcome back to the Business Brunch here on Get Radio. Um, I'm really excited about this week um, because I am joined by Tim Greer. Welcome, Tim. Good morning, Ben, and everybody out there. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us, Tim. Um, so for those who don't know you, um, would you be kind enough just to give a little bit of background on on, on you um, and, and your, yeah, and, and indeed your background? Delighted to. Thank you. Well, first of all, um, thank you for inviting me on the programme regular listener. Um, so Tim Greer, um, born in the northeast of England, um, educated in, in Edinburgh, engineering degree, moved into manufacturing, manufacturing for 14, 15 years. Lots of lots of interesting aspects around the way the Japanese did things, total quality management, zero defects, elimination of waste, and of course, customer service. Customer service is key in everything we do. And in manufacturing, you have to please your customers, otherwise you don't get the other order. And then after that, I was um, between between careers, really. I, I w- turned out to be very fortunate to have um, a couple of stints in local government. I, I went into um, a borough council um, south of Oxfordshire um, and did a couple of head of service roles, which really helped me to understand how the public sector worked. I've been in the private sector. And then I moved on to being a supplier, a server of um, infrastructure, construction, um, customer service, um, building projects, facilities management projects, working for a company called John Lang, where all of our clients were public sector. And then um, I did another role, uh, very similar, with a, a global French organization called Bouygues, who operate in 87 countries, French family business from the 1950s, but it now turns over about 50 billion euros. So from small organizations through to huge global enterprises, and now um, consulting, advising, assisting. I call myself a, a business improver. I'm helping organizations of a number of different sizes from startups to improve their business in any way, whether it be service or quality or recruitment or training or processes, that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, it's great to be out and about and active in Oxfordshire helping the local companies. 
Amazing, Tim. Thanks so much for that intro and so many things I'm I'm looking forward to, to talking more about over the next hour. Um, but before that, I think based on a hundred odd shows now, often the most difficult question we ask our de- guests is is to choose a song for the listener. Um, and this morning you have kindly chosen a song for those listening at home. So what is your song choice and why have you picked it? Oh, well, that song is Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen, who is just the best live performer and the words are inspirational. Interviewing Oxfordshire's business leaders. This is The Business Brunch, sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Welcome back to The Business Brunch here on Get Radio. Um, This week, we are joined by Tim Greer, um, and we're going to be talking really about the world of business. There's so many different things that we're going to talk about. So one of the things I think would be a really great thing to to start with, um, Tim, if it's okay with you, is I think that it's so widely reported, whether it be at a networking event or whether it be on the news or whether it be in the Financial Times, that it's a funny old business climate right now. What what are you seeing in, in, in the world of business right now? Ben, that's a really good question. Um, what I'm seeing now is a determination for local businesses, for, for startups, for SMEs to really develop the ideas that they've they've had over a period of time, whether the last few years of inactivity have you know, really, really encouraged people to have those thoughts and to push on now. There are shoots of recovery, I believe, in every part of, of industry and of business. And yeah, maybe because people are working from home a little bit more, whether they like it or they don't, there's a real desire to get out and network with like-minded people and to share ideas, to, to cross-pollinate, um, to learn from each other and to help each other. It's, it's, I feel it's a really good time for businesses at the moment. Mm, no, absolutely. I, I, I think um, w- one, of the, one of the few good things that came out of COVID is, is I think people became a little bit kinder. And, and I think people tended yes. to really want to, want to help each other, which, which, was, which was lovely to see. Um, one of the things um, that you've done a lot of throughout your career is managing big teams. Um, so can you can you talk to um, the listener about um, s- some of those teams that, that you've managed and, and really kind of how you've developed teams um, o- over the years? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, one of the best principles to start with is, I believe, a view that one individual can only be so good. Uh, perhaps that individual can learn to be better than they are. Perhaps they can develop and can increase their skills. But the real power of working in a team combines different skills, different opportunities, uh, different levels of experience, different levels of ambition, of entrepreneurship, of perhaps security, health and safety, risk awareness, an outward-minded sales approach to develop new business, or that sort of obsession with getting it right, getting it right in the quality sense. So a combination of a bunch of people coming together, whether they know them know themselves before or whether they've moved into a new space and combined as a team, the leader of that team, I believe, should always take the view that the sum of the parts is better than the individual. And ideally, the leader of the team is best placed if they recruit people better than them. 
mm. uh, which 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 in my case was pretty easy really because I don't claim to be any good at anything other than <laughs> you know, rounding up a team of fantastic people and together making things better by the the teamwork in dynamic the esprit de corps um mm. this working from home situation fantastic if you want to get your head down and do some work but the buzz of being in a collective with a group of people who are slightly different and some may challenge some may agree some may question some may probe that that dynamic of people working together whether they're in one company or they're a team of people at a networking forum like OBCN is is a fantastic way of generating new ideas or reaffirming the principles of the original idea to ideally get a better outcome everybody in that in that group can be different and that would be welcomed uh, i'm sure everybody's heard the cliche about the leader of the team being the conductor of the orchestra and perhaps knowing how to play instruments but resisting the temptation um particularly as a startup entrepreneur entrepreneur to play any instruments at all it's much better if the conductor allows the team to develop their own expertise and pass on their own style and then the sound that comes out the output that comes from that collective is far greater than if it were one or two individuals working together in 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 my opinion mm, no absolutely in terms of um in terms of teams um i i regularly hear from um from business owners who 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 i talk to who say our team aren't just quite gelling something's not quite working i i want to increase the quality of my team which which i think are all um sort of quite sort of broad statements um what would be your advice to to those people if if you do feel that your team isn't quite working there may be a number of reasons why that person feels that that team isn't working um and perhaps that person hasn't truly explored all of the options to try and release the latent energy that's there in that team um the team may not, may not fully understand their roles the, the team may not fully be communicated to about the vision and the purpose of the organization that they're within they may misunderstand the roles of other individuals in the team it may be necessary for a period of clarity to redefine those objectives those goals those targets the way of working the way we do things around here which loosely describes the culture of an organization the wishes the intentions the desires of the people at work with it and then maybe to have an opportunity to to lock the team away and in the nicest possible sense with some with some tea and coffee and some sticky buns and <laughs> and get them to open up about how they're feeling because there's a massive difference between how a message is transmitted and how a message is received it could be transmitted by the business leader and received in many different ways so seeking clarity on on the purpose of the team the function of the team the relationships within the team can very often resolve clear away some of those blockages and get people working together it's mightily expensive to recruit a team it can be mightily expensive to change a team particularly if it's not a, a nice situation by which the change is coming about and you'll know from recruitment how difficult it is to recruit good people and find a perfect match and and unfortunately for us employers not for you as a recruiter but um it can be an expensive process to bring in new people so it's far better to work with what you've got 
to develop from within than it is to make whole-scale changes. Now, I always take the view that the people in the business know far more of what's going on on a day-to-day -day basis than the person who sits slightly removed and is the leader of the organization. So to listen to any workforce of whatever size, it might be 10,000 people or it might be 10 people, and ask them if they think it's working, ask them what they're getting out of it, ask them what they would like to improve, ask them what they would do if they owned the company, and then swap some stories. And generally we'll then find, as the business develops, that people feel more comfortable speaking out. People feel more comfortable in expressing their opinions. When I did my my first degree dissertation oh, back in the 1980s, that was on Japanese manufacturing and quality circles. And, and in that environment, everybody that attended a meeting at a certain time of a certain day had an equal say, an equal voice, an equal opinion, and an equal vote as to how to move things forward. And 40, 50 years later, that was practiced in the 50s and the 60s in the US um, aeronautics industry, and it's gone into the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s in the UK car industry, and the Japanese practice it even now. That way of engaging opinion, um, enthusiasm, perhaps new ideas from a team, I don't think it's ever failed to unblock some of those restrictions and uncertainties by going back to basics. Does that make sense? Very much so. Very much so. A couple of things to to, to build on there. Um, actually, I think that the the piece, firstly, in terms of recruitment, of course, I'm going to talk about recruitment. I think one of the things you touched on in terms of actually, it can be really expensive to hire a new team and especially to replace a team. Um, regular listeners, hopefully, they've heard my advert on Get Radio. They will know that our advert says the biggest cost of recruitment is when it goes wrong, and, and yes. the more you can do to work with your team and your talent to ensure that they're feeling valued and ensure that you're working together on the common goal and ensure that actually the boat is continuing to move forward with everybody on that boat is is always the first possibility to look at um the, the other thing i thought was really fascinating that you said there tim and, and keen to keen to build more on it if, if if that's okay is around um you would always employ people better than yourself and i think that that is a phrase that I've heard a few people that I really know, like, and, uh, and trust say. So I'm just kind of keen um, to build on that point um, for the reasoning. And, and how do you go about identifying the people that, or, or identifying the gaps where you need to employ somebody that is better than you, particularly as a small business owner who may not currently have all of the hats that, that, that you as the business owner are wearing? Yeah, um, there are, are, are a number of component parts of any organization that are the same, regardless of the size of the business. For me, my left shoulder, I would have somebody with some financial knowledge and my right shoulder, I would have somebody with people knowledge, some HR. Um, I would like to see operations in front of me, visualize that the operations function of whatever it is, the product was there to be to be viewed, but not micromanaged. The likes of health and safety, uh, risk management at my back, uh, 
and then those wonderful salespeople at arm's length to be created, but where we could see what they were doing. Um, and in there, there's, there's, there's all sorts of different skills and attributes. There's, there's members of the finance team, there's credit control, there's members of the research and development team, there's scientists, um, there, there are engineers, there, there are caterers, there are distribution people. So it's it's deciding where in that that spectrum of of skills and disciplines, and every business has those, whether that's a job for one person to do, or if you have the luxury of having, let's say, eight, nine in in a senior team. And it's it's up to the the leader of the team to be really honest with themselves as to what they're good at mm-hmm. and even more honest with what they're not. Now, some people can sit still for an hour and read a contract and digest it and understand every subclause and they know what they're going to do when they go into procurement or they're going to, to win a new bid. Personally, that wasn't for me. So I would employ somebody um, that was less inclined to get up and make a coffee and dash around and and, and, and and do many different things, but would concentrate and would would see the job through from start to finish, perhaps with a slightly legalistic mind, perhaps. And, and then if it was a salesperson that was required, and, and I'm simplifying things very, very much to put these into, into different different boxes. Um, it would be somebody that wanted to be out in the field, talking to people, working with their customers and making sure that the organization delights the customers, not just satisfies the customers. So it's to identify in summary, what skills and attributes the leader has, and there may be a startup person, there, there may be a there may be a, um, somebody that, that has a first idea, but isn't a complete finisher. So to look at the different skills that people would have and recruit in a, in a likely way. Uh, in a finance team, you want accuracy. In a finance team, you want somebody that's there that understands the numbers and gives an early warning. In an operations team, it's that obsession with quality and getting it right, getting it right first time and minimizing the waste. Uh, that I think those principles can be applied to any business. If one person can do all of those, well, fantastic, absolutely wonderful but they should look at the opportunity to bring in different people with different skills. And that may be on a part-time basis. It needn't be full-time as is growing. You know, there are other examples of where organizations can grow by bringing in other people, individuals that have perhaps been on the journey. Perhaps they've bought the t-shirt, perhaps they've started the company, perhaps they've sold a company, perhaps they've developed a company or even downsized the company or they've changed direction. The benefit of, of, this day and age, there are an awful lot of very experienced people that are out there to be able to help startup businesses go through those growing pains without being dictatorial and saying, this is what thou shalt do, but to pass on some some wisdom and guidance of having been in a similar position once before and, uh, and letting those organizations learn from previous mistakes, but then run with their own opportunity. So it's 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 a blend of who's available Who's available at the right price? Who's available at the right experience? Uh, that person that comes in or that team that comes in, they have to complement the team that's there before. It's got to be evolution, not revolution. Another another hackneyed, cliched phrase that's there. Businesses have to grow in the right way to keep the organization on track. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tim, thank you so much for your thoughts so far. We'll continue the conversation after this. Oxfordshire Station, get radio.
Welcome back to the Business Brunch here on Get Radio. Um, today, I'm really enjoying uh, the conversation with Tim Greer, as, as I'm sure you are. And we've spoken quite a lot around um, developing teams so far um, and and really, really hope you've got your notepads with you. Um, and I hope, hopefully they're full, which, which I'm sure they sure they are. Um, Tim, I just want to build the conversation um, around business growth, if that's okay. So, so I know that um, a lot of the businesses you've been involved in have grown, whether that be um, with with you leading the business or whether that be in, in your current role in terms of consulting and guiding. Um, should businesses always be growing? Um, is it, probably my first first reason. And how and how can businesses define what that growth looks like? Now, that is a very good question. Should businesses always be growing? Not necessarily. Um, there are periods of time, maybe, maybe like over the last few years, where consolidation is is a very important thing to do to make sure that the existing business does what it should do, that the existing clients are very, very satisfied. I'm going to say customer delight again, um, to make sure that the business that has been sold, the relationships that have been built up, the people who work with the people who they like and trust are still delivering what they've got to. Now, if we look at the last few years with various issues around the world, let's say material prices, can almost have doubled in some instances and lead times can have gone out by 12, 20, 30 weeks if it's manufacturing or it's some kind of service industry. So the desire to oversell has always got to be couched with uh, the capacity of the organization to deliver. Um, and, and it's also a question of holding true to the values of the the price quality um, axis. Don't think anybody in this day and age should be piling it high and selling it cheap because there's risk in there. Businesses that are starting out now have a real quality focus. And if they deliver what they intend to do, and through a little bit of marketing or external exposure, social media, relationships, contacts, referrals perhaps, that business has the opportunity to grow, then I think that's a good place to be. That, that's that's not to say that if anybody has a world-beating idea and they want first mover advantage and they shouldn't get it out there next Tuesday, then that should be done. But in times of uncertainty, in periods of flux like we have at the moment, um, consolidation is always a really important thing to have on one's agenda. Uh, consolidation and focus are words that should be on the tip of the tongue of anybody leading a business. Is it now the right time to expand or should we just make sure we're getting the quality right? And that can change several times during a day. That can change several times in a reporting period, like a month or certainly in a, in a year. And it's the reflection of the values, the quality standards and the right price. Why be in business to drive prices down and have a race to the bottom just to grow? I know of examples of huge organizations where their business development teams were out there winning bids left, right, and center at suboptimal price levels. And the operations team would then scratch their heads and say, why or oh, why did you do that, please? Because we will lose money as soon as we start. And whatever the business venture is, 
private sector, public sector, or even third sector, they have a right uh, and a need to be profitable. Profitability, it's not a dirty word in any of those sectors. It's, it's, it's a prerequisite for stable workforce, building the team, moving forward from a position of, of quality and security, and then taking the right steps forward to grow if and when the time is right, and certainly if the price is right. Tim, I'm I'm so glad that, that you've said that actually, because I, I think it gears a question that I always struggle with. So, so regularly, um, I've been to uh, meetings with businesses. I've been at networking events with with yourself as well, and it's so common that you get somebody in the room who says, um, "I my business um, has this turnover, or my business has this turnover," and and it's so so common. A lot of businesses put it on their website. But actually, the point that you've made is really, really key. So many businesses do have this turnover, but don't necessarily make money. And I don't think I've ever been at any event where a business has stood up and said, I make this amount of profit. Why Why do you think turnover does seem to be the word that is mentioned so often? Um, um, and profit seems to be a bit of a dirty word when, when actually, as you've rightly alluded to, you know, it is so, so key to a healthy business. I'm sure you know the saying, Turnover is vanity and profit is sanity. And that is so true. Um, I could give you a northern expression there. I won't because I haven't tested it out on you. But there's a, there's something about being upfront and being quite showy with very little substance mm. um, underneath, let's say. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what it is afterwards. Um, no, businesses need that that degree of one of the first things anybody learns on a business degree is is or 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 a business diploma or a business session is is um the difference between the cost and the sales value um sales minus cost equals profit sales minus excessive cost equals loss equals stress equals what's the point unless it's a developmental position where somebody is investing an awful lot for a better future most businesses don't have that luxury and and the sales values have to exceed the costs of running the business to make a return on, on what one does, be it 1% or 50%. That can be measured. And I don't like to talk about the quantum sum of the amount of profit that people make because that's related to the turnover. I like to talk about the percentage profit levels that people make, so the either the net profit and if a net profit in a business is somewhere between five and 10% in my space, that was doing really well. Mm. Um, if the gross profit was significantly higher, that's the difference between buying the goods and then converting them, then that's a healthy place to then manage the fixed costs of an organization to leave a good net profit. Mm. Percentage net profit or percentage gross profit is something that I would always measure, not the amount of money that's there as a pound note, um, you can make £10,000 profit, but have 10 billion sales. Well, that's grossly inefficient. And that could change if the wind changes direction or a material price goes up. So it's it's a real focus on the detail of what's the costs of running a business? What are the fixed costs of running a business? What output do we want in terms of net profit and setting the price accordingly? You don't see Rolls-Royce or Mercedes or BMW 
flexing the price if they want to sell something. In fact, sometimes they can put their price up and sell more. It's, it, there's, there's a belief, an inner belief and a, and a solidity of, of, of determination that the value of the services that are being provided or the goods that are being provided are appropriate to the levels of pricing that you as a recruiter or myself as a, as a business improver would, would choose to charge. Why should we undersell what we do when we believe it's good? And, and and reducing the price to chase volume, not for many people. I don't. I don't believe in this day and age. Um, supermarkets, yes. Uh, big commodity brokers, yes. But most of the businesses that you and I meet when we're out and about in Oxfordshire at the at the networking forums or the or the events that we that we go to, they're they're, they're people that are they're growing their business from a solid start. Why give it away for for ridiculously low prices? You're better off not doing the work. And spending some time researching and developing new ways to improve your business than just churning out stuff at low margin. Mm, no, absolutely. It is really, really interesting. Actually, one of the things that I'm, you know, more more than happy to share. Back back in 2018, we had a huge change in my recruitment business. We we started recording by the minute, um, and we didn't make this public. But by the minute, how much time we were spending on, mm. on each client, and it was really, really interesting that our top 20% of clients who um, were paying the biggest fees, um, actually the time we were spending was actually less than the bottom 20 clients who had really negotiated on fees. Um, and, and it was really, really fascinating. So we we completely went out of, of our biggest market that made up the biggest percentage of our business. And within three months, we were doing more turnover than we ever were before, yes. as well as considerably more profit. And and it is something I always urge um, business people to look at is, is do spend that time actually really reflecting in terms of where where does your profit come from but also where did your happiness come from because i think that's a that, that's another that's another key point um tim thank you so much for your thoughts so far um we will continue the conversation after this the business brunch podcast with ben thompson sponsored by we do hr support leave your hr to the experts so you can focus on what you do best welcome back to the business brunch here on get radio um, today, um, we are talking about the world of business um, on a business show, of course. Um, and to do that, um, I thought Tim Greer was the only person that I could invite along to to have this conversation. Um, so, Tim, one of the one of the things that I think a lot of businesses um, either want to do or or or, or don't want to do, but but is a certainty eventually, isn't it? Is exiting, um, whether you're in a senior role but employed, or whether you're the business owner, at some point you will need to exit. Um, what what are some of the considerations that, that that we should be thinking about in terms of that exit strategy? To to use the business term, are you talking in terms of a financial exit and a sale of the organisation, or for for people to leave and then hand on to other people? Or, or um, either or, or? either. So so I think in this show, um, over sort of the last sort of 130, 140, 150 shows, we we've had shows talking about sort of staff buyouts. We've had shows talking about getting your business ready for sale. But yes. we've also had people um, that, that are great friends of the show. So, so James Butler that, that we featured um, probably just before Christmas now. Um, and, and actually, that strategy was very much that I'd pay into a pension throughout my life in business. And uh, and actually, I'd have a good pension and I'd retire at 48. Um, so I think different people have different plans. But, but I think that one of the things that often worries me is I think that there is a percentage. What that percentage might be, I think, is difficult to predict where people don't really plan for the future and and and, and just think, 
hopefully I sell it one day or hopefully I retire one day or hopefully I do this one day. So so what are what are some of the I guess kind of the considerations if you don't have a plan currently? Okay. Yeah, thank you for that clarification. Um I think every business should have some form of a five year plan. Whether that's between the ears of the people that are putting it together, or ideally would be down on paper that could be that could be referenced periodically every three or six months, get that five-year plan out and and work. Let's give an example. The, the, the Olympics tend to be awarded um, with a seven-year lead time. I think they're stretching that out now, but it used to be that you were awarded the Olympics and you know that July the 1st, in seven years' time, that Olympics would open and everything had to happen towards then so it could start slowly and then move towards it. Let's, let's pick a date five years hence. Um, it's essential that that business has value, that it has the margin, the profitability that we've talked about before, that it has regular customers, sustainable business, um, a good outlook, that it has um, real clarity of the way that it details its accounts nothing swept under the carpet nothing nothing put into the cupboard uh, nothing hidden away face up to the reality of of the current day situation and, and don't in any way misrepresent the numbers because they will always come out with a, an intelligent mind looking at those numbers and work out in the 168 hours that exist every week and we can't change that the hours that the business operates, is it truly delivering value for its customers in those 168 hours? It may operate for 50 hours of that week. And in 50 hours of that week, is it giving absolute customer satisfaction at the right levels of price, cost management, engagement and involvement of the team? If, if a business is to be sold, then the new backers will want to see that it's that business that's got a good future, that it's, yeah, it could be a multiple of profit, but it also also be an element of goodwill built into that. And goodwill is the element above the profitability multiples that, that one can ascribe to the organization because it's of a certain value. Might be difficult to price goodwill, but there's that inherent feeling that this is a quality organization with great people. And there's a little bit more of a premium to be paid for that than simply the metrics about the profitability. And, and if there is an opportunity for the management team themselves to be thinking about um, buying the business, then involve them early in the process. Involve them as early as it is practicable without unsettling um, a workforce. Involve as few people as necessary but as many as you feel it's appropriate. If it's a if it's a share option and a long-term share option that could ultimately lead to ownership, then get the right advice and be open and transparent about the five-year lead time and collectively working towards that. People generally perform better when they're given good communications, that honesty and openness is practiced throughout the business from on high and that all opinions are sought through a process so that people have their own opportunity to contribute and share. And if, and if that's done well, some of the juniors in the organization today may become 
middle managers and seniors and may ultimately take over the business having had five years more experience of what's going on. And even if it's a trade sale to another organization, again, they will they will bring in the attack dogs and they will try and attack every piece of number that's there and try and rip it apart and prove that it's not not of value. Um, so selling a house and simply painting the front door um, is pretty bad planning. Um, got to make sure that that house is solid, the foundations are right, the the equipment's been updated, the uh, there's there's the right feel to it. There's there's uh, um, and again, it's taking advice from people who've done it before and would help. Um, and then, of course, taking the opportunity to review because five years isn't long these days. So five years might not be the end point. And don't be afraid to change that. Don't be afraid to change it if a wonderful offer comes along or circumstances are different to either bring that date forward or to, to move it out. I would say that that plan should be reviewed with some senior people every three months. And that's a great way of focusing the business anyway on its objectives. Um, I think any sale process should have a risk register in it. What are the risks of the business not working? Because if risks aren't managed properly, then that affects the ultimate price or destiny of the business. So a business plan and a risk register go in hand in hand, really. Some people think a risk register is all doom and gloom and negative. It's not. A risk register is a way of focusing um, one's mind onto the things that have got to be done as an essential part of the business. And if all risks are sensibly managed, then that can go into a board pack or a prospectus and present a company that's really, really well managed and has got that that inherent value that puts goodwill on top of the sale price. So, Tim, one of the things I've always admired around you, uh, about you, is that you're always very value-led um, and you seem very value-focused. And I think one of the things that, that businesses often struggle with is is aligning their own values to to that of their team um, and, and those people that they're bringing into the organisation. What would be, yeah, what would be your advice around this topic? Yeah, thanks, Ben. I, I believe that... Um... It was very kind of you to say that, by the way. Thank you. Um, honesty and integrity, truth brings loyalty. Um, it's another cliche, but, you know, don't ask anybody to do something that you wouldn't do yourself, um, provided it's safe. Um, to have, in the days when we had offices and we don't anymore, which is a good thing, that open door policy would say anybody is available at any time to have a chat about anything that that any person wants to talk about. Um, everybody has a valid opinion. Maybe it goes back to those quality circles in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, where everybody had the opportunity in a grouping to have a say, to have an opinion. Um, and it's linked to... I believe the leader should recruit people better than them, go out into the market and find people better than them or promote people inside that have got the opportunity to be better than them. By acting in a collegiate way, um, not autocratic, but equally not too democratic, there's a blend of listening to everybody's opinions and drawing out, even from the quietest person that sits in the corner of the room, Draw out their thoughts because everything that they say will be of value either to them or to somebody else. And it may not be taken fully on board 
but it might be an opportunity to have a conversation around why things can't be done in a certain way. Um, sure, the leaders of an organization get paid more than the people that just join the organization. Um, but if everybody can get on the journey and everybody can benefit and grow and and if they feel they can contribute, if they feel they've been listened to, and if they feel they've been spoken to in an open and honest way, transparent communication, I believe, does engender loyalty in a workforce of any size. And that workforce would ultimately perform slightly better than if they were disenfranchised. That that team of people, everybody has a difficult decision on a, on a, on a, on a Sunday night whether to think about, and I'm, I'm stereotyping here, but whether to decide about being enjoying going to work on a Monday morning or going in with a grump on and you sort of decide about five o'clock on a Sunday night, am I going to think about work tomorrow or I'm going to think about it now and get ready and prepared for it. And if the business is enjoyable, if the business is is ethical, moral, um, and even fun to be in, fun people sparking off each other and having some great new ideas or just that pride in doing a job, the, the job well done, then people will go into work and, and give their all. Uh, and there's times when they don't, there's times when they can't, there's times when, whether these biorhythms still exist, but people go through cycles in their own in their own body and they go through cycles at home um, and, and, and with their transport arrangements or with their families or whatever else that's going on and, and things around them, the environment we have at the moment. But if you can go into the workplace and know what you've got to do, and know what's being asked of you. And then really, really importantly, all the people in the business, wherever possible, know, know that the person has a name and a function and that they're valued. And every now and again, somebody says, Sarah, you've done a cracking job today. Really well done. And thank you for what you did. Then there's a warm glow comes amongst people and, uh, and they take a pride in their work. They know they've been recognized and then they give that little bit more. If it's sitting by the desk and cracking the whip, well, you know, those days were long, long gone. Um, they weren't very enjoyable at the time. They're certainly not relevant nowadays. It's it's. There's a big world out there with lots of people who can move into different spaces and pe people can be more transient than ever if they so choose. But people tend to work for a company that they enjoy working for. And, and that that's the culture. That's the ethos. Um, and I think that's what building a team is all about. Talking to people as if they are an equal, whether they think they're not, they certainly are. Um, they're absolutely equal. Everybody has one vote um, until it comes to some tough decision-making. And then of course that's got to withdraw to a smaller number of people who ultimately have to make the big decision. But taking a big decision by involving lots of people in the team generally bears, brings better results than, than do as you're told. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Um, Tim, we are very, very, very um almost at the end of the show. Um we've we've got seconds left. Um, but one of the things that I that I always like to do with guests um is is take is leave almost like a takeaway message, whether it be um one of the several tips that we've shared um throughout the last hour, or whether it be um something fresh. Um to the Oxfordshire business owner listening, what would be, I guess, what would be your takeaway tip that you'd recommend? Two things, 
either quickly do a client survey and see what the client thinks about the business that is being performed, maybe get somebody independent to go and have a cup of coffee with somebody and just check that the services being provided are delighting the customer rather than just satisfying. But then even probably before that, go and talk to some people in the workplace that you haven't talked to for a while. Just go and see how they're feeling, how they're doing, what they've achieved today. Um, know their name, know their function, know what they're good at. Know something about them, make them feel valued and they'll perform. Amazing. Amazing. Um, thank you so much, Tim, for, for your time um, and, and your real expertise that you shared with the listeners today. It's been really, really insightful. So thank you so much for that. Um, but unfortunately, we are at the end of the show. Um, so thank you again, Tim. Um, if you are just tuning in, um, I would definitely recommend um, heading over to the, the Get Radio website and their social media um, early next week um, and definitely um, do pick up the show because there's been some really great insights shared. Um, so next week, we are going to be back um, with some brand new guests. Um, so we're joined by Helen Bishop um, and Ruth Hawkins of BHO, and we're going to be talking all about family law and how it can impact your business. Finally, um, just a reminder, you can listen to this show every Sunday at 11 o'clock, either on the radio or online. Um, you can also um, listen via a podcast podcast format i was losing my words there that is available via all your favorite podcast platforms um, and is released on the monday morning um, and do look out for the video format which is posted on the get radio facebook page and their website every tuesday but for now enjoy the rest of your sunday and i look forward to seeing you again next week <laughs>